Hi, it's Rock and John. Now hear this.
Hi, it's Rockin' John, and this is Now Hear This, and uh, we just played five songs for you. John, why don't you tell us about it? Well, the first one was uh, Why Do Fools Fall in Love? I was playing with home recording, and I took the happening version of Why Do Fools Fall in Love and mixed it in with that great live version of Joni Mitchell doing Why Do Fools Fall in Love when she was playing in the band with you know, Michael Brecker, the Persuasions were the background was, group. Was Tom Scott on that one? Uh, oh, no, that was the earlier No, one. Michael Brecker. Yeah, that's right. Tom Scott was on Miles of Isles. Mm-hmm. And this is Shadows, and, Shadows Light. and Light. And it was kind of, it was an interesting thing because I remember Pat Metheny was in the band. And he told me that Joni Mitchell made all the jazz musicians play this live recording gig at 12 noon. And he said, there's no such thing as a jazz musician. It's going to give his best Now, was noon. Jocko part of this? Yes, Jocko Pastorius was part of it. But I don't think he was on this song. I think this was really Persuasions, Acapella, Joni Mitchell, Don Elias on the uh, percussion, and of course, uh, Michael Brecker on sax. From there, I put out one of my favorite novelty songs. David Lee Roth playing with John Jorgensen and his bluegrass band and their version of Jump just because I thought it worked and had a lot the of energy. Van Halen hit. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of good silliness there. And then after that, you had dug up somewhere, you'd gotten a copy of George Harrison singing lead on Ringo Starr's number one hit, It Don't Come Easy, from 1971, which was a Ringo Starr-George Harrison co-write. I, pre- I presume that this was uh, George doing a, a guide vocal for Ringo after they cut the track, because it's the exact same uh, basic track that's being used that's on the single as it got released, only it has George Harrison singing singing lead with some slightly different uh, lyrics, especially in the uh, the choruses, where if you listen closely, you can hear uh, choruses of Hare Krishna, which George was very much into, uh, having just come off of All Things Must Pass, his triple record uh, hit of 1970. This is an unusually good quality version. I've never heard a, a version that sounded as good as this one does. And it's just a good song, and uh, George sings it well. What followed that was two Creedence Clearwater Revival songs, which just show uh, two different sides of the coin. Uh, a Rave Up, which is, it, it came out of the sky, which has uh, Doug Clifford, the drummer, at the end, hit, hitting the cymbals on every beat, which I always thought was something original. That's followed by a song called Wrote a Song for Everyone, which is uh, just a, a quiet groove kind of song, which Credence wasn't really known for that sort of thing. So I played that just because it's, it's rather interesting. As I said, it's a different side of them. So Rock, what do you want to talk about now? You and I were talking uh, earlier about, uh, you know, no matter what the genre or the guitar player will listen to or the solo or anything, it really does, you know, the old adage, but it's, it's true. You know, it's like <laughs> that, that uh, the song, you got to have a song. If you can sit down, so many, I've read so many songwriters and musicians have said, you know, if you can sit down with an acoustic guitar or a piano and play the song and get it across, well, then you've got the song. Mm-hmm. If you have to be, you know, working your patch chords and yeah, I got to get this this right and this right before we can play it and just, that one's out of tune, I think you've got a problem. That's just me. Since I was a young boy, I played the silver ball. I'm 
Soho down to Brighton, I must have played them all. I've never seen anything like him in any amusement hall. That deaf, dumb, and blind kid sure plays a mean pinball. He ain't got no distractions, can't hear no buzzing bells. Don't see lights of flashing, he plays by sense of smell. Always gets a replay, never tilts at all. That deaf, dumb, and blind kid sure plays a mean pinball. He's a pinball wizard, has to be a twist. A pinball wizard's got such a supple wrist. How do you think he does it? What makes him so good? Even on my favorite table, he can beat my best. His disciples lead him in, he just does the rest. Got crazy flipper fingers, I've never seen him fall. That deaf, dumb, and blind kid sure plays a mean pinball. He's a pinball wizard, there has to be a twist. Pinball wizard's got such a suffering.
God bless and keep you always. May your wishes all come true. Do you always do for others and let others do for you? May you build a ladder to the stars and climb on every rock. Stand upright and be strong And may you stay forever young May you stay forever young May your hands always be busy May your feet always be swift May you have a strong foundation when the wind of changes shift May your heart always be joyful May your song always be sung May you stay forever young May you stay Everybody knows and loves the last waltz. Everybody I know, like that's a touchstone. I think it's because it used to be on TV all the time and everything. And you know, I really recently played the last waltz, and it's good. I think Rock of Ages is better. Oh well, hands down, hands down. Have you heard the Rock of Ages that came out a couple of years ago? That's like every minute of of the night, all the nights. Uh, there's a 5.1 surround thing. Plus, you get all the Dylan, which was pretty pretty hot the Bob Dylan uh, parts when he showed up for one night, I think it was New Year's Eve, and did a whole set with him. And, uh, well, a mini set, I should say, probably like four, but you know, it does like a Rolling Stone, it does a few other things. You know, it's, it's funny, Bob, Bob Dylan, like he loves and loved the band right on through, right up on until, you know, Levon's recent passing and everything. I mean, he really stayed in touch with those guys and he'd hang with them and he'd play with them. So how is that? The, the, the it's called the Academy of Music. They retitled it. It's a box set. It's fantastic. And no, it's not, it's not too much of a good thing. It's really good. I love Alan Toussaint's horns on that. That's what got me as a kid was when I heard the version of The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down. It's really a New Orleans uh, style of horns, but it's to a 12-year-old, it sounded like they were errant. You know, they, they drift past the beat and stuff like that. And I just fell in love with that stuff. And you know what? We're going to play that because that's so good. The version of Night They Drove Old Dixie Down from the band's Rock of Ages album. Yeah. 
In how many years? Six, six years we haven't played this. So. Sixteen years. Oh, 
Taylor, thank you. That's one of the great live albums. Absolutely. And I think one of the great live albums that totally benefited from an expanded edition was the Who Live at Leeds. Absolutely. There's the box set that I don't understand to this day. They put out a box set three or four years ago. Big, big box. It was really limited edition. I mean, it came and went. You cannot get it anymore. Well, I have the expanded live at Leeds. There is an expanded. That you can still get. Yeah, with Tommy. That's... That's the one. It's good enough. Go for it. But I'm just saying, this big box, which was just all inclusive, was just great. Great stuff. How many discs were there? I had two. How much more could there have been? There was a uh, an entire concert of two discs called Live at Hull. See, as you know, when um, when they first went to record Live at Leeds, they recorded a, like a college tour. They recorded several several shows. I think most of those recordings, when they got back to the studio, there had been technical problems. And I think there was also an issue of nobody wanted to sit down and listen through all what they had. So it was like, boom, we're going to go do live. We're going to go to Leeds and we're going to record it. And that's going to be our album. And they got real lucky. Anyway, this live at Hull is considered really good. And you could only get it in that box. The good news is they have since released it as a standalone. Shoot to be the man. I was so stupid. 
live. So there's very little change or, that you're going to hear. However, Shatera told me that the very best performance that Chicago had ever done was in Japan and was recorded for a Japanese live album. And I mentioned that to you back in the 80s and you said, yes, I've got it. I do have it. And here's the good news. It's available in the United States on Rhino Records. And it's, a, yeah, I will stand by it as one of the great, well, didn't you say Satara said it was their best live album? Yeah, well, he said it was their great, it was a great live performance, yeah. maybe their best live performance, and it was captured. And what I've come to realize, because I've put that, that, that thought uh, forward uh, in many blog rooms and things like that, and it turns out that the, mostly people agree, but it turns out there's a large contingent of, of listeners out there who don't like that record because they did a couple of songs singing in Japanese. And for the Anglophiles among us, apparently that ruined the record for them. I don't quite get that. Well, what I would like to play is the suite, the ballet suite, yes. which is 16 or 17 minutes. Not only do I think that is some, the finest Chicago they ever did, but you hear what's great about this performance. They nail all the notes you want to nail. It's recorded a, well. There's a razor's edge to the whole thing. Very well put. And you can, you know, you can hear, I don't know if this makes sense to you, you can hear the air on stage between them. You can hear the guys kind of talking to each other a little bit. It was a large band. And you can hear them like getting ready. You can hear, you know, the shuffling of the, the chair as the guy gets up to play. You know, that sort of thing. And it's... To me, although that's really nothing, and it might not even be noticeable to most. To me, it's just the act, the the authentic auth authenticity. Authenticity. The the other thing that people should realize about that record is that's not a curio or anything. It was produced by James William Garcia, their their producer manager at the time. It was a real record that they really made only for Japan at the time. It was hard to get it. It, it made an appearance in the '90s on CD in Japan. Uh, at the time, Chicago had their own label. They put it out, came and went. I mean, it was gone in a year. Right. It, is, it is now available again via Rhino Records. It's called Chicago Live in Japan. I think we both can recommend this one. Yeah.
goes on I realize just what you
That's what we're talking about.